The untrained eye, the raspberry canes, blueberry bushes, and apple trees would look like dead sticks coming out of the snow at this time of the year. It's mid-Aquarius season, and the water bearer dumped about 15 inches of snow on us in Northeast Turtle Island. While the snow can be incredibly frustrating, it is also an opportunity to dream and imagine, think and plan by providing a blank canvas over obstacles that were once so apparent. There's a space in front of me that is covered in sticks and branches, leaves, even some plastic from our um, former owners that needs to be removed. It has um, lots of invasive plants, and right now it's just completely covered in snow and all I can think is this would make a perfect place for a new raspberry garden. Snow's ability to cover everything and laden it with potential of what could be is the theme of Aquarius in many ways and the theme of this time of year and the theme I think a lot of us are going through in terms of coronavirus. When we get out there and when this is over we're not going to want to spend time thinking and planning and dreaming we're going to want to be in the doing we're going to be want to be getting coffee and going on dates and going to the movies and going to the bar and gathering together and dancing together and doing all the things that we miss during lockdown and quarantine and the same goes for the spring in the garden i don't have time to plant to plan and I don't have time to plan because I need to plant. I need to focus all my energy on transplanting and putting in seeds and um, clearing out areas to grow and getting the soil ready and getting a head start in the weeds because if you get a head start of them in on the spring, they will not take over, right? Like around here, we have a lot of invasive weeds because the environment's healthy, that they'll, they'll grow really quickly, garlic mustard and tricolor rose and strangling dog vine and um, different kinds of ivies. So all that, if you're able to take care of that early in spring, um, it's not a problem later on. The point is that it, in spring, in terms, of, in terms of the garden, in terms of planting, there's so much to do and it's all about the doing. That, that really you have to, it, now's the time to do the planting right? Because now there's nothing to be done. There's nothing I can do now. The, everything's frozen over. Even the compost heap I can't even get at at this point um, in, the, in the winter. You know, we're in that fixed part of the season where, where it's just full-on winter, you know? Even in Capricorn, there was, there was moments where we had warm days and I could, like, like a little cave along the mountain where I could, I could take refuge and get out here and, and clean up a little, little area and move some of the sticks that I was talking about earlier. But anyway, now is the time to plan and think and dream and imagine because the time to get out there is going to be coming soon. And while I think that winter is going to have one more real, real burst at us from what I hear from the weather um, channel, that we're going to get like some crazy Arctic air coming through um, polar vortex uh, in the next week or so. Um, after that, I, I, you know, spring, spring will be here and it, it always comes before you know it. And I think in terms of the end of coronavirus and the end of this lockdown, it's going to come before we know it too. It's going to come and we're going to be surprised that it, that it, that it came so quickly. I think it'll, it'll feel jarring in a way because we may have gotten used to this and we won't have the time to plan, to think, to dream, to imagine that we've had during this time. Um, it, you know, we'll be, we'll be wanting to be so much interacting and doing in the face-to-face. Um, so I'm going to shift gears and talk about something else, which I originally wanted to talk about. But I'm, I'm sitting out here in the snow and this, talking about the snow and its, it, its um, 
way of covering everything and turning everything into this blank canvas of imagination really, really captivated me. But I wanted to talk about um, the magic of place and how you can build more magic into your garden and build affirmations into your garden that help you to you know, make it, make it a space that always brings you joy. The idea of spirituality being tied to place is nothing new. It's very ancient and was very widespread before literary tradition started to convert so many people through Bibles, Korans, Torahs, and other scriptures. The Mongols were so successful in their invasions because they believed their, their God was from their homeland and was part of their homeland. And so that when they went to new places, they expected people to have different religions and thus were able to create a level of religious tolerance throughout their empire that allowed them to be successful. Many indigenous people still have religions and faiths that are connected to the plants and animals and wellsprings of the ecosystems around them and that sustain them. And many dandelions like myself who have, are disconnected from their direct lineage by place can still find a way to connect deeper into the spirits of that place and to see their wisdom. Here in the forest, the most powerful, wisest, oldest spirits are, of course, the trees. And science has actually recently started to catch up with spiritualists in a lot of ways in terms of understanding how trees are not just you know sticks that sticks that come out of the ground but actually living beings that make decisions and have intelligence and communicate to one another and form alliances and rivalries and competitions and uh the, the root structures are very similar structurally to the human brain and in function so in a lot of ways there's there's no reason to think that trees don't have thoughts and memories locked inside their root systems the same way that we have thoughts and memories locked inside the neurons in our brains only the difference is that our brains have a cap so there's a potential there's a limit to the amount of size while a tree can just grow exponentially so they get um in terms of the roots they can they can keep extending their thoughts and their memories as far as they would like and they can connect to other trees and tap into their memories and thoughts. So it's very important, I think, if you, if you live in a forest to connect and you want to connect to the spirits to start with the trees. Um, and, you know, I think it doesn't need to be trees that aren't necessarily your trees. Like trees have no concept of ownership. It could be the trees in the park. If you happen to live near where you grew up. Um, and there's any trees that have been around since you were a kid, they remember you and they love you. And that's a great way to like reconnect with nature and retap into, um, some of that, some of that, you know, deep lost druid magic power the trees can have and wisdom can, they can have. They also, um, I found can hold affirmations and ideas for us. So for example, all the thoughts sometimes, um, you know, if, if I'm filled with happiness and joy in the garden and I'll, I'll kind of think about it and I'll put like, uh, I'll put my hand up to the tree and I'll, I'll sort of lock it into the tree. And every time I go back to that, past the tree, I'll, that, that beautiful memory and that thought will come back to me. I have a specific spot between two trees um, that I kind of, uh, that I, whenever I walk through, I always say to myself, you know, no matter what mood you're in, you're going to feel better and more amazing when you walk through this set of trees. And it's this affirmation there. And I imagine there's like a little doorway and it works. And, you know, if I'm in a good mood, I'm in a better mood. If I'm ever in a bad mood, I trudge Logan out here and we walk through it and I feel better. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not that woo. It's a very, it's very connected to, you know, hypnotizing yourself and using affirmations on yourself to make yourself feel good. Um, and to, to, these are, these are strategies we can all, that many people use in the mindfulness world. And this is, so 
imagine just kind of connecting that with your landscape and bringing, you know, whatever mindfulness practices you have um, and whatever spirituality you have and and embedding it into the landscape, you know. Um, And I think, too, there's also, you know, if you go hiking or if you if you explore different areas, if you get if you come across there's certain spaces that I believe are like essentially undeniably magical. And it's like these places that you come across and you're just like, you have to stop and look. And every human who would come to those places would have that same reaction, right? So maybe it's like you're walking in a field and we have some spots like this where there's this giant rock and it's like, it's like coming out of nowhere and just sitting in the middle of the field and you can't help but kind of marvel at that and think about, okay, like people long ago probably would use this as a landmark and would say like, okay, like, you know, meet at the giant rock or like, you know, because it's so distinct and it stands out. And I feel like those spaces are very important to kind of just acknowledge. And when, in, if you're trying to build a space, a magical space, that's what I, I would say is it kind of makes it stand out to me, the magical space that I've tried to build. So the first one is this rock heart, which Connecticut is filled, soil is filled with rocks. I love the story that the um, Pequots and Algonquins would tell about the sleep the the giant from sleeping giant mountain got angry one day and he started hurling rocks and that's why the that's why the soil in connecticut is so rocky um but it's actually not that much a bad thing it's a little extra work but um it keeps keeps little minerals in, from in, in the soil and uh you know it gives you something to play with like so as i'm pulling out all these rocks i'm building this this big rock heart structure and the uh, you know it's it's in that common shape of a heart that anyone would recognize so in um, you know, so people come by a hundred years from now, they would say, oh, that's a heart. You know, and I think, I think something about having, if you're trying to build a, like a magical space and you're trying to build something that it would be apparent to everyone, it's like undeniable if you can, if you can kind of make it so it's like, oh yeah, that somebody put that there on purpose to make it look beautiful. And that's what can, what can make it something that's longstanding. And, you know, so, you, so it's, it's less, you, it shouldn't need to be explained. It should be something that's kind of to the eye that people would walk by and be like, oh, wow, that's, that's, you know, that's something. Like, I have all these, um, and, and, and someone did it, someone set it up on purpose, and, you know, that can, that can have the magic, because I do believe that, like, a place holds the magic of everyone who's been there, it holds the memory of everyone who's ever been there, everyone, every person, every animal, every plant that's ever grown on it, and some of that essence is still kind of lingering on, and the history of that is, is brought, is, etched into the stones and etched into the trees and etched into every single bit about the landscape. And so you start to notice things and you start to learn things about the past in an area and start to reveal its secrets. For example, like I know back here, there was a river at one point and, um, you know, I think this area is like not too, too long ago because there's like kind of an area where all these rocks are dissipated, but they, they couldn't have been too long ago. Um, because that now the area has grown with these trees that are about, you know, 40, 50 years old. Um, but most of the trees here, and you know, if I look at the trees and you kind of judge their age, you can kind of tell like what the landscape looked like 50 years ago, what it looked like a hundred years ago. And, um, you know, what trees, the oldest trees, cause the oldest trees have the most magic and the most power. Um, so, you know, I think there's something special too about finding the oldest tree in your neighborhood or in your space. Um, I think that that's something that just, it's like, that's, that's your Deku tree. That's your heart tree. That's, that's the tree that is um, connecting all the other trees. And, you know, there's something just special about knowing what the largest tree is in your neighborhood. The one down the street from me is massive. And, um, I'm pretty sure it is, it is like, um, 
some kind of oak. Um, I, I'm not that, I'm still working on determining different types of trees. Um, I, can just, I can tell some, but anyway, so the last thing I want to talk about is the idea of fairies, which was originally what I, the whole podcast was going to be about. Um, it was kind of playing words because, you know, I'm gay. It's like a fairy food forest. It's like the da-dum-dum. But I wanted to talk about the idea of like fairies as taking up spaces that don't have anything growing in it um, that you planned, like that are just let to grow wild. So I, I mentioned earlier some of the invasive plants we have grow around here. And, um, you know, we have some wild flowers too. Like if you leave a little space that's just untouched, you know, just let it grow. Like let, if grass grows there, whatever, that's kind of how you can let um, fairies bring their magic into your garden. And if that sounds too weird for me, you're looking for like a science like how is this good? By creating little spaces that have fresh, like um, lush ecosystems in between, you prevent a lot of diseases that might spread from one plant from, you know, ricocheting through your whole farm. So, right, so if you have, like, just miles and miles and miles of um, cornfields, right, like, like, and a disease comes, it's going to spread through all the cornfields. But if you have in between those cornfields, you have little breaks of farm area that's not being used, which is something that farmers do, but it's just more fun if you think about, it, like, fairies living in these little spots that are kind of like the wild magic places in between. So it's like taking a scientific practice that's good for farming and kind of incorporating like the fun sort of mythology of fairies within it. And I think that that's something I've really worked in. And you know, it's like, it's like, I do think that there's something about asking nature for a little bit of permission before you plant there. And I think that sometimes it's like an energetic thing, like where like, there'll just be places where like the, something is saying and sending energy, like don't plant here, like leave this alone. Maybe someone was buried there hundreds of years ago. There's just some spots that give off that feeling to me. Like, and I think that when you have those feelings, you should go for it. And I think too, sometimes it might be a feeling of like, don't plant something here yet because this is a space that's going to be better reserved for something more epic later on. So that was the original idea of this podcast. You know, I went in all different directions. So um, if you're still listening, you're my hero. Hope you're having a